Hey, Alexa, what crap did John Hicks say this week on the radio? I'm sure I don't want to hear it, but I'm interested to find out. Helping you solve the retirement puzzle. Welcome to The Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Here with John Hicks this week, I'm Jennifer Perry. Thanks for joining us here on The Retirement Solution podcast. And remember, if you have any questions for us, you can always find us online at retirementsolutionradio.com. We'd love to hear from you there. And uh, interesting times in the financial world, John. We have actually some really good economic news coming out. However, the financial networks right now are kind of focused on China and this trade feud with President Trump. So how do you see all of this playing out, especially after the last week of trading? Tweet, 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 China. Tweet, 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 raging market. Tweet, 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 huge. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh, crap, the market's way down. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Someone's on the plane to come to talk to us and we're going to fix it all. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh, no. I don't know if that last one got in there. This is the first time, you know, I did the numbers on this. I thought it was kind of interesting. So just between Monday and Tuesday, and this is not just the American markets, it's not just the U.S. markets, over $4 trillion of world money was lost because of less than 140 characters on the tweet machine. <laughs> wow, that's some good well, perspective. You know, it came Ooh. back, you know, it's, it's up and down and all right, that kind of yeah. stuff. But, but now what we're seeing, what we're seeing is, is a little bit, uh, I'm not going to say alarming because it's not political. Now all the tweets, that's, that's junk is political. We've already talked on the show that most of the economic indicators are pretty good. I mean, by most measures, we, I just saw the numbers here. Jennifer, let me grab this. When we look at some of the numbers right now, we have the lowest uh, unemployment rates we've ever seen. Um, here we go. Lowest ever. Nine states reported jobless rates in March. So this just was just released. There were the lowest ever, ever. Huge. Yeah. Big Huge. win. Big Huge. win for us. Huge. As a matter of fact, there are fewer people uh, unemployed than there are job openings. I mean, hey, if you want a job, get out there, kids. Yeah. There's a no job for you. No excuses for your 20-something yeah. who refuses right. to get out there right now. <laughs> right. So when you look at it, the economy is pretty dang good. Why? Maybe a little bit of that deregulation in the last 18 months. Huh? Maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe a little bit of, hey, posturing. Let's, let's beat up a little bit on China, right? They've been lying about their ways and, and, and sneaking into our markets for far too long. I think having the strong hand is a little good. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, is that if we do a couple tweet things and the market is uncertain of the outcome, we're seeing it behave very, very poorly. Markets do not like uncertainty. Right. It likes it. It already thought the, the, the U.S. market, especially, but, but world markets as well. They thought that we were going to go ahead and sign a deal with China. They thought that we were going to do this. OK. Mm-hmm. And so the market has been up here for a while. And what we saw at the beginning of this week is that when they said basically or when, when the president got out ahead of everyone else and said, hey, we're, we're not going to do this right now. We saw the markets act really crazy, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Now, this is interesting because it means a couple of things. It means, number one, without a China deal. It may be very hard for Trump to keep office in an election year. Mm-hmm. Now, now we got to understand that this is really, really important because uh, those of you out there that listen that, that that don't want socialism and you would like to have a stronger fighting arm, and you we do want to negotiate with China. We do not want to bow down to them. That's all the president did. Right. When you look at what China scratched out on that uh, on the trade accords, they scratched out like ninety percent of stuff. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they scratched out like 90% of all the stuff that we wanted. And that's why Trump said, listen, these guys aren't playing fair. Yeah, that's not a negotiation. Yeah, Come that's, on. That's, that's pathetic. And, and, and forget you guys. We're, we're stronger than that over here. So I like that part. 
The second part of that, though, is that now we're seeing resistance in the markets. We're seeing if the China deal does not get done, then we, this could be the beginning of, of the sh- next shoe to drop. Now, that doesn't mean that the economy is bad. There's a difference between a bear market and a recession. Yeah. Now, everyone needs to understand this. This is a big one. This is Econ 101, real quick for all of us. There's a difference between a bear market, which is just a market that quits going up for a while. It could go down for a couple months. It could go down for a couple quarters. It could go down for a couple years. That doesn't mean we're in a recession. That doesn't mean things are bad. It just means no one is out there wanting to put money for a company to go higher. Okay. Now, that's what I think we could see here. I love the fact that we don't see recession, Mm -hmm. which means that if we do have a downturn, hopefully it's short-lived. But now that we're seeing resistance around this, and if the Democrats do win, I pray they don't, but if they do in the next election cycle, what that really means for us is that we probably will definitely see the market correct and will probably go down because we will probably not have as many pro-business initiatives. We will probably not be so strong to fight against China. We will probably not have the ability to do anything other than raise taxes to support those other things. And I think that hurts us long term. So I got political for a minute, but, but, okay. but I think it's, it's very important yeah. that we put everything in context. I do make fun of the president for tweeting because, frankly, I hate it. I hate it when he does it. <laughs> but this Twitter time I actually away. looked into it, yeah, because we saw the market careen almost 6 or 7% in a couple days. Based on tweets. Know, yeah. yeah, of course. And it's like, man, I know this is short lived, but why? Why so much? That uncertainty is really, really big. So if you don't have those downward protection plans, and listen, don't don't look at these tweets as if they mean anything. But but what it does do, it is a little bit of what they call foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. These little resistance marks, these these tweets that cause this kind of adverse reaction. This is foreshadowing. If you remember what that is, if you studied literature, there's a couple little nuggets in the beginning that help you find out who the killer is mm-hmm. or who the bad guy is or who's related to who and you didn't know it, right? So I think that that's, uh, maybe we're seeing a little bit of that foreshadowing. We don't know. That's the thing. And you want to take the uncertainty out of it, though, for people who are getting close to retirement because, John, that's the thing for today's baby boomers. I think when we see these violent swings on Wall Street, you just wonder, okay, how is this going to affect me? And sure. for the people you work with, I mean, you pointed out to me that uh, this would be the third major downturn that a lot of your clients have gone through before they were clients of yours because they came to you seeking answers to protect against this kind of thing. Because, I mean, psychologically, when you see the market do this kind of thing, it takes a toll on you. No, it, it really does. One of the more amazing things that I've recently read was, was a psychological study done on, on investor behavior. And one of the most amazing things that it found was emotional stress, especially fear, has a very tangible effect to our body. It really did. It was, it was crazy. So Jennifer, uh, and, and this comes from a million years ago when, when it was fight or flight, mm-hmm. you know, basically, you know, there, there's a saber toothed tiger. Oh my gosh. It, should I run or should I fight it? If I run, it might get me from behind and chew me up. But, but if I fight it, it might get me from the front and chew me up. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and so that, that whole fear our bodies actually reacted. It potentially over time, it can make us depressed. But the more important thing it could cause us to actually have so much stress, we could have a stroke. Yeah. We could have heart failures. And over time, we don't have those uh, saber-toothed tigers out there roaming in the backyard. Now, in my neighborhood, we got some coyotes <laughs> or coyotes, depending on how you look at them. And those can be a little bit dangerous. But realistically, the, the real threats now, believe it or not, they're psychological. And that makes us have health issues. So whenever markets behave like this, especially the baby boomers, guys, think about it. If you are in your late 50s to late 60s now, there's a great chance that you've experienced two of the biggest corrections in the history of the United States. The dot-com bust, which was 2000 and 2003, right? Where people, a lot of people lost 50 to 70% of their life savings. 
And then the 2007 to 2009 debacle, basically another 50% down. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, we've been moving up for 10 and a half years and now we're starting to see some, some cracks some some chinks in the armor. Is it going to go down? Who knows? But if this happens again, you guys will potentially have been hit for 50% losses three times. I'm fearful people will lose faith. Mood and mindset are two of the more important things when it comes to long-term investment strategy. If you have uh, one of those, basically what I call the the do-it-yourself Vanguard plans, and there's nothing wrong with these, Vanguard's a great company, but if you have one of these and you're hoping that your emotions will be intact when you're retired and you're going to start pulling that income out, and we have that 20, 30, 40% careen of the market, just got to think about it. Are you going to be able to gut up and hold on to that? Because if you can't, then the chances of success are very, very, very low. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to try to avoid. And don't think that you're alone. Guys, I I did a little research on this one too. Sir Isaac Newton, you know who he is, uh, right, Jennifer? Uh Uh-huh. He invented the Fig Newton, if you're not aware. Yeah, I think it was a different one. Yeah, so so the the theory of gravity was kind of attributed to him. They said an apple fell on his head. I doubt it. (laughs) But that's at least the, the way they painted the story. But most people don't know, he was the master of the mint. So basically, he was the treasury secretary for England. In 1712 or something like that. I did not know that. See, most people didn't know this. In the 1700s, he was basically uh, the treasury secretary. So that's about as high up as you get in finance. But there's been a lot of stories written about how he flipped out when one of his investments uh, went from $100 to $700. They had pounds back then, Mm -hmm. but I'm using it so that we can understand the story. From from $100 to $700, and he went ahead and cashed out. But then that $700 investment went up to $20,000. He bought it back. And then rode it all the way down from $20,000 all the way down to zero. It bankrupted itself. Ah. He was the treasury secretary, or the equivalent of, in England. Wow. And he's, he's, he's been considered one of the most foremost minds of the last 500 years, yeah. Sir Isaac Newton. But he couldn't control his emotions either. So don't think, because we're smart, or we're attractive, or we're awesome, or we stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, <laughs> that just because we th- can think through these issues, that our emotions are going to allow us to do it. So that's why I don't like volatility. That's why the tweets make me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. But, but realistically, it can cause really long-term health ramifications for us. So... More reason than ever to make sure that you have a properly structured plan because the Trumpster is going to keep tweeting. Yeah. He's going to tweet, tweet, tweet all day long. (laughs) Tweet, tweet, tweet while I sing my song. (laughs) Huge. Connect with us at retirementsolutionradio.com. You're probably more focused on his golf game rather than his retirement account. But have you ever really wondered what Tiger Woods has stashed away in that retirement account or any pro golfer for that matter. Here's an interesting fact for you here this weekend, John. Market Watch says those PGA players actually have one of the best retirement plans in pro sports. Uh-huh. 600 players have actually reached that million dollar mark in their retirement accounts. So uh-huh. they do some things differently here. But a question for you, I mean, A, can you build us a retirement plan like Tiger Woods and If not, I mean, what can you do for us? (laughs) So can you build a plan like Tiger Woods? Potentially. Oh, okay. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I say potentially because some companies out there could do this. It was called a pension. (laughs) (laughs) There's the ticket. Oh, but so many of them, so many of them, they uh, they believe in profits over people, (laughs) shareholders over employees. And listen, I can't fault them completely for that. You know, I know how it goes. But having said that, yeah, so basically the PGA, most people think, oh, man, these guys make all kind of money because they drive for a show and put 
for no. Uh, but amazingly enough, the PGA was really smart several years ago. And so they have a pretty good system. So listen, guys, most people are not aware of this. But here's the way it works. If you win or even if you don't win on the PGA Tour. And tell me if this is something that you guys would like. Because I would love to know about this. But if you win in the PGA event, and by the way, there's all kinds of ways that, that you can win. But if you just make the cut. Mm-hmm. So, Jennifer, we're talking usually, like, we're talking hundreds of people can make a cut, okay. depending on the tournament. But every time you make a cut in the PGA, you get nearly five grand. Wow. $4,800 goes into your little retirement account. Huh, that's, that's not nice. so bad. Yeah. yeah. So you think you play, you know, 20 or 30 uh, tournaments over the course of a season. And if you can just make the cut in a bunch of them, that's 50 or 60 or 70, whatever percentage uh, of money. But that, that's a ton of money that you yeah. can put away, right? Mm-hmm. This doesn't change the earnings you take home. This is just what the PGA does for you. That's not so bad, right? Yeah. On top of that, if you finish in the top 150 golfers for the year, you get some PGA FedEx plan money. Hmm. Sorry, UPS. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But <yeah>. it's FedEx. <laughs> FedEx has jumped into this one. And believe it or not, this year, Jennifer, this is a big one. I did not know this. But the number one golfer at the end of the FedEx plan for the year will get $15 million bonus. Oh. Yeah. No, but then more than that, they get a million bucks in their deferred comp plan. That's Interesting, huge. yeah. So so the idea was, can you have a plan like Tiger Woods? Because Tiger, over the years, has amassed a little over $20 million in that retirement plan hmm. for making those cuts and, of course, being at the top of those those FedEx standings for, for many, many years. And the thing of it is, how can we do this, right? Who's out there going, man, I wish I could do that? Right. Uh, problem is, I haven't seen my golf clubs in about the last nine years. <laughs> uh, last time I, I used one, uh, I pulled it out and had to hit a squirrel out of the gutter. Uh, that's about the last time. I didn't even get a hole in one. I barely got a squirrel out of a gutter. Uh, I don't think you get any points for that. No. So, so the idea, though, is how cool would that be, right? Whenever you're doing something good, someone rewards you for that good thing for a future good deed. Yeah. And this is and, and, and when you think about sports, I mean some of these guys, they they don't get to play that many years. I mean they, they may make it for four or five years before, you know, they got a uh, they they're just not playing as well or maybe they they spiked at the wrong time. However it works. In our careers, of course, we do have the ability to put some money away over time. Whenever you get a bonus, I know your your employer's not often putting that in. Put a little extra money aside, you can have a chance to do this. But here here's the point that I'm going to say about this and this is why it's so important about Tiger. Regardless of Tiger Woods wins another match or not, regardless if he places again, regardless of if he loses all of his endorsement money, regardless of if he gets another divorce or whatever happens in his personal <laughs> life, regardless of any of these things, he's got 20 million bucks in retirement savings. Now, by my calculations, if he just had a market-based plan, Mr. Woods would be able to pull out at least $800,000 a year from that market-based plan. If he hmm. had a market-based plan, not so bad. But if he was smart... And then a proper distribution strategy or a strategy that was really meant to just milk all that income possible from that 20 million bucks, he could potentially pull well over $1.5 million a year from the same bucket of money. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Now, we may not be able to have 20 million bucks in a plan like Tiger. What we can do, though, is understand once we've got that big old pile of cash, once we've put that last putt through the azaleas, <laughs> through those beautiful forest glens, over the water, into the hole. <laughs> for the last time. Wouldn't it be nice to know that, hey, we can turn a spigot on and we're going to get a ton of money from it. That's the idea, income planning. So whether Tiger wins another match or not, he's got some money set aside. And I know that a lot of us have done that too. If you've saved two, three, four, five million bucks, here's the question. What is your goal? Do you now just want to live off of it? Or do you realize, man, that's, that's maybe even more than I need. 
How can I get that the most to the next generation without taxation? Mm -hmm. A little bit of a different ballgame. But here's the biggest one. Regardless of how much we've saved, how do we get the most out of that bucket? Now, see, that's what Tiger will probably do wisely. He has a system of advisors. He probably has 30 or 40 different advisors that all work on the same team to ensure that he's doing the right thing. Here's my guess. He will probably find a way to pull out every single dollar possible out of that account so that he can live the fullest in his later years. That's what we all need to do. So even if we can't get 20 million bucks in a plan or every quarter, if we've done a great job, maybe our employer won't be putting in $4,800 every time we make the cut. But the idea is, is when we get that big old bucket of money in the end, how can we effectively turn that into the biggest income stream that we're ever going to see in retirement? It's not product based. It's all about different strategies and everyone's different. But I think that that's probably what sets aside the best athletes out there that get the best uh, advice and the rest of us, because they realize as much money as they make, they still got advisors. Yeah. They're not out there trying to do it on their own. They're trying to figure out how to shave that, that one extra stroke off per 18 holes, mm-hmm. right? They're not out there trying to figure out, hmm, should I invest in a bond fund or should I put my money in a marginable account? What about managed futures? Well, Ken Fisher hates annuities. I guess I should too, but what's an annuity? I don't even know what a lipper peer group is. I have no clue. They don't spend any time doing that. Right. They're out there Focus driving the for show because yeah. it impresses the ladies. <laughs> and they're putting for dough, which is how they drive off in those nice convertibles. That's what I'm talking about. So we got to understand, how do we get the most out of what we've saved? Tiger, I will guarantee you, will have one of the most efficient, most well-designed plans out there. And we can all have that. But we got to know how much we've saved first, how to hold on to it, and then how to get every single last penny out of that big old pile if we want to. Have questions for John? Drop us an email at retirementsolutionradio.com. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if John Hicks is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through John Hicks, Kentucky Insurance License Number 998827.